everybody. Welcome back to the show. Me and Dan sat down last night and went over a deer study that was done in Pennsylvania over a 10-year time frame, and there was a lot of good information that came out of it. Then at the end of the conversation we had, we took a whole bunch of questions, and we had some good ones. Me and Dan uh, both commented on how good the questions were last night. So you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Before we get into it, i got to thank some of my partners. Got to thank Hunting Beast Gear. If you haven't gotten your hands on a beast stand yet, go over to their website, get you an order in. Also, you guys know they have some of the best sticks on the market, kind of the trailblazer for that mobile uh, lightweight, super lightweight stick. Go to huntingbeastgear.com and check those out. Also, the guys at Exodus, uh, got to thank those guys over there. They produce all kinds of awesome content. <clears throat> if you guys haven't yet, uh, go over their YouTube channel and check them out. Also, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and they got an extensive line of, of all kinds of stuff now that uh, they're they're producing from their trail cameras to their MMT arrows. Go check those guys out. Also, Uncle Lou over at Stealth Outdoors. You guys know Stealth Strips is one of the uh, key components of being a mobile hunter. He's really um, uh, has the market uh, cornered when it comes to the best product for silencing gear on the market. Go over to stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. Want to give a shout out to Osseo Gear. It's a, a great option for white to hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable on the stand. Just go to asiogear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Plus, Joe and those guys are, are also great guys. Links to all my partners are in the description below. Hey, everyone. What's going on? <laughs> Welcome to the show. I uh, hope everybody's doing good tonight. I was hot all day today. A lot of people commenting already. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a few people on already. So I thought there would be when I looked down. All the there was a bunch of comments before we even started. So that, that's good. Um, what have you been up to, Dan? Mm, got off of work early today and uh, went over by Dave's farm and worked on food plots. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did your? Uh, I know you did my shoulder. Oh, really? Yeah. Your left one? Yeah. Oh, geez. Have you? Uh... Yeah, but I uh, I was pretty surprised at what I saw, you know, because um, I went out and I sprayed um, two plots, uh, I want to say three weeks or a month ago. And then last weekend on Friday, me and Eric went out and we we're going to, the grass was over my head. So I was figuring I didn't kill everything. We went in and we weed whipped him, and uh, which is funny. He uses a chainsaw as a weed whipper. Really? <laughs> yeah, he spins in a circle with this giant chainsaw, just missing his legs and stuff, yelling, <laughs> <"Yee-haw."> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit funny and a little bit scary at the same time. But we uh, weed whipped the whole thing, and then uh, uh, I went back today, and I was going to rake them both out and then spray, the, spray them again. Because there's yeah. just too many weeds on them to throw seed down, or you know. Um, but I only got one rake. It was a little bigger job than I thought. 
but when I got there, what was surprising was um, it looks like just cutting it brought a lot of deer in. Mm. Um, they actually made a new scrape, if you can imagine that. There's uh, poop all over the um, all over the where we cut, and you could see where the deer went and followed my trail into where we set up a tree stand, and bedded underneath it, like in, with the you could see how they bedded in a way that they're like watching for you to come back. And left the yeah. poop right underneath the tree stand. I mean, all within a week. I mean, it was just everywhere. It was like, holy crap. So interesting. But I, I did put that plot is being put um, right up against a bedding area. Like uh, the first beds are within 30 yards of the, of the plot. It's just real thick and dense. And you yeah. can get it in the access trail, get up the tree without going over there. It's like, it's a it's cool setup. But uh I got to get back out there one more time to seed it and drop a camera and then I leave it alone. Did, it, but did you get a pretty good kill then? What's that? Did you get a pretty good kill on the weeds? The weeds. Yeah. yeah, it was it was actually pretty dead, but uh, I raked it out and then sprayed it again. So yeah. Everything in them. Yeah. It sometimes it takes a couple, especially if you haven't, you know, used uh put anything in there in the last couple of years or last year. Yeah, um, it was yeah, it hasn't been seeded in two three years now i mean a while mm -hmm. ever since the year dave got that big buck what was that two years ago yep probably so it wasn't last year so obviously so yeah, it was... that was the last time we uh we planted there yeah did uh we had a chainsaw of trees that had fallen into it out of there yeah are you going to till it up before you plant it or are you just going to uh just gonna do like a no-till yeah clover. that clover and that that loose soil like that just grows so easy you don't have to yeah till it. We'll probably till up some other ones, but I want to get those clover ones in right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of, I mean, I don't, I don't think tilling's necessarily always, if you can get away with not tilling, I think it's better. It's not really good for the soil or anything. Tilling it up a whole bunch, dries it out and all that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you don't have an option, but you can get away with it. That's what I'm going to plant clover this year. I, I won't plant until uh, August, but we, uh, I just sprayed whatever it had been about a month ago and then i'll spray again maybe in july and then it should be nice and uh bare for me to put the clover in but yeah um, rex gave me a bunch of seed it looks like some pretty good mixes one of them's got uh a little mix of alfalfa in with uh four kinds of clover i think that'll be interesting to see how yeah. that does i didn't know you could yep. mix them mm -hmm. that's what i got uh my one plot that's not no longer there anymore um at the, the spot where I had some CRP I could hunt and then the farmer turned into ag, but uh, that's what it was. It was, it was clover and alfalfa mixture. Mm. I think it was like from grandpa Ray's mm. it's they're from Wisconsin, but anyway, it, it, it looked beautiful last year. It was a nice clover plot, but um, it's now. I know that uh, um, around here, you watch these farm fields. Um, alfalfa fields don't seem to be a huge attraction They're an attraction, but they don't seem huge. Yeah. The first year they put them in, I don't know what it is, but you know how they leave those for years and then they yeah. mow them and decay. But the yeah. first year they put them in, those fields get hammered by deer. That's like a huge attraction. I don't know if the plants pull something out of the soil and then it doesn't have it no more. Or yeah. The very I'm first sure. year, those alfalfa fields just go nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I was honestly disappointed in, in mine how many deer were coming to it and stuff. Um, but. It is what it's, I think that 
I think that CRP field provides a lot of food for them. Like a lot of clovers are in there. That, I think that's like part of the mix that's in those CRP fields. There's a lot of food. So, mm. you know, I don't think the deer have to go over her. Cause I remember back in the day, we would like mow paths through those CRP fields to be able to walk around in them. And it would just be clover. It'd just be full of clover when you mowed them. So mm. I'd say there's a lot of food for them. They don't have to like come to a clover plot, you know. The nice thing um, about a clover plot is though, though is that um, you can really overseed it and make it really lush, number one. Number yeah. two, you can make it really small and they won't eat it all. Like if you do brassicas or something, you got to have like yeah. an acre. Already. They eat everything to the ground, yeah. you know what I mean? But clover, they just can't catch up to eating it all. So it's always it there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also fact, easy. It small enough, they'll, they'll keep it mowed for you, you know, so it yeah. doesn't get weedy. Yeah. You can also, I mean, another huge benefit of clover is like once you get it established, you just got to mow it a couple times a year. I mean, really, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to, you know, it's a lot less work unless you're, you know, um, having problems with weeds, spraying it maybe, but it's not, not a big, not a big deal, or at least it wasn't for, for us on the clover pot we put in. But anyway, we're, we're putting another one in this, this fall. So where I put these two are, are right up against bedding areas and spots where I can slip in without messing up the area and get right to the edge and, and look over the, uh, the plots and, yeah. uh, they're really tall, really, I mean, tiny. And mm -hmm. I, uh, leave all the weeds that are head high all the way around it. So that they mm -hmm. got a lot of cover and they're semi shaded, yeah. which is another thing. Clover is good for you. Yeah. We're going to go about it different this year on that food plot. We actually found a really nice buck bed um, just off of the plot about 20 yards or so. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if a buck was bedding there, the way we would come in, uh, access it, he would he, he would watch us walk in. So we're going to kind of throw a curveball at him this year, and we're going to move move the setup around the back side of the food plot um, to where he wouldn't be able to see us come in and just come in completely different than anybody ever has before. Um, and honestly, I've always gotten like a big buck will come into that food plot sometimes, especially like that October 25th ish time frame. That seems like every year there's a big buck that comes into that food plot. Um, and then, and, and I've, I've went in there one time when I thought that he would be in there and I actually jumped him off of it. So he, he was watching me come in, you know, so. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you know, that's the thing about, um. Uh... The one I looked at today, it was really interesting to see how those deer went in there and literally tracked me down where I went and moved around in there. And yep. I think a lot of people don't catch that, but you know, I'm always observant to what they do. And they literally have been going in and out. I mean, it's only been since last Friday, so not even a week, you know, six days since I was there before. And they're actually following me in and out to the tree where the stand is, which isn't on the plot, it's a little bit off. They actually yep. beat a trail down to the tree. It's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, we got a, I got a lot. Of, I actually took some notes for tonight, guys. I read this article. Did you get, did you get that? Uh, did you read the article, Dan? Which one? The, uh, the Pennsylvania deer study that went on for 10 I, years. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. That's perfect because actually, I don't know what happened and I apologize for this, everybody, but this morning you could read that article, but then. I got on uh, just a little bit ago to check the article and uh, you had to pay for a subscription now all of a sudden. I don't know if it just was like when it first releases, if it if it uh, is free and then they put it under a paywall. But I got all the notes here, so we'll just go through them. There's just some um, 
essentially they started this uh, study back in 2013 and they just ended it this year. It was in Pennsylvania. Uh, the PA Game Commission put it on along along with some other like I think Penn State and some other entities helped with it. But they they collared uh, well over a thousand deer in that ten years uh, time frame. They, exactly, they they collared one thousand one hundred twenty over that that time frame, and they they tracked pretty much every waking uh, or every minute of their lives uh, on those GPS collars. And they found like a ton of interesting information. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, some things that I didn't know would go on in the deer world. And some things that like would confirm the way we hunt, Dan. And and, hmm. and in the article, it kind of read that, that way. It's like, this is something PA hunters need to read because it's not the traditional thinking of how deer behave. Um, mm-hmm. But I got a bunch of points and I kind of was, it's probably, it's probably better that you didn't read it because then you can just, I, we can get your initial uh, reaction. I guess before we start, guys, if you will leave some questions in the comments, we may be able to get them get to them tonight. Um, and just put a question mark before the the question. That way, I can see that it's a question, not just a comment. And um, thanks for Ron's. Uh, let's see here. Got a new member here. I am. Let's find it. I'll get to the members here in a minute. In a minute, but we do have a membership program. If you guys are interested in that the the people in green are the members so you get some cool emojis and all that kind of stuff um anyway let's get to this deer study because there's a lot of a lot of stuff in it um first of all the, the first point they made in the article was most deer spent early hours after dawn in beds until 10 a.m and then at 10 a.m they saw a little bit of movement again and mm-hmm. the point the the article was making or the the writer of the article um, was that this, the fact that, you know, deer hunters think that they need to get into the stand really early. And in all reality, the, the vast majority of the deer they had collared were in their beds before, uh, dawn every morning, no matter yep. when it was essentially, um, which that's something we talk about a lot, like hunting mornings right. about how you can screw things up because they're already in, in their beds. Um, they, they, none of this was, this was all vague information and never, they never really gave a breakdown of actually, you know, how many, what percentage of deer were in their bed before daylight. They just said the vast majority were in their beds before you, you know, um, daylight. I used to um, hunt every morning, every evening, you know, when I was in my like prime mm-hmm. and uh, really addicted to deer hunting. And I yeah. found out quick that when I'd go in in the mornings and I'd hunt near beds before it's even daylight, I'd kick the bucks out of the beds. And I would, it, it was real spotty and not very often that I had bucks come in to bed down. Mm-hmm. And if I did see bucks, it would generally be like late morning, you know, um, and in rut. So there was a time frame when I would see them in the morning and that would be not until after October 15th. And I think it would be later by you because it was rut configured. You know what I mean? Yeah. So our yeah. rut start a little earlier than yours. So uh, I would say... You know, right around October 15th for me where I'm at, I'd start seeing some morning activity. But anytime before that, yeah, you know, which which here we got a whole month before that. If you went into those bedding areas, you kick those deer out of there. And even in rut, what I was finding is those bucks would go and bed down before daylight. And then they'd get up later in the day and, and yeah. move around. And uh there's all these people like you gotta hunt mornings, mornings are the best and stuff, and it's like you know what? I can lock down a buck, figure out where he's bedded, 
and how he's moving. And if he's there, I'll kill him in the evening. But if he's there in the morning, there's like a, you know, like a 10% chance. I'm much better at killing them in the evenings. Even in all those years that I was hunting every morning and every evening near those bedding areas, I only mm-hmm. killed one or two real big bucks on bedding areas. Yeah. In the mornings. Mm-hmm. All more in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, they did say that there was a spike in buck movement. I think they had like around a quarter of the deer that they uh, collared were, were bucks. And he said there was a spike in movement for the bucks around noon to 1 p.m. There was just a I guess a really short window there that they saw some, some increases in buck movement. Um, and then there was pretty regular movement from 4 PM till dark. Um, and, did it, and all the, did it show how far they moved in that midday movement? No, they didn't. But I know what you're getting at about. Maybe they just kind of walking around a bedding area, stretching their legs or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they did, they, they did make a very aggressive point that, there was not very much movement after daylight and, and more movement in the evenings. Um, let's see here. The next point they made was that rain had almost no effect on does at all, but bucks uh, did resist their movement or restrict their movement during rain somewhat is what they said, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know why bucks would care and unless they're just uh, more skittish than a doe doe family or something i think maybe because the senses you know does are in groups yeah and bucks being lone animals i think it might bother them a little more if they can't hear and, and smell and you know what i mean yeah like they, they depend on those uh those things it's kind of like senses, yeah how those was kind of just bed you know just flop down in a circle just about anywhere right they might go to the yeah. same areas and stuff but they don't bed yeah. in the same spots they just flop in a circle where bucks put their beds in specific spots, you know, by scent and smell and sight. It has to do with they're a lone animal. They have to watch out for themselves. They don't have a group watching out for them. I do think that uh, I would be willing to bet that that um, studies reflecting when the, when the rain gets a little heavy, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually making an effect on their hearing or sight or their smell. Yeah, probably. That's probably when it makes a difference. Cause I think light rain, they move just fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, it's, I think it's they move better sometimes when it has a little. Right. Who wants to sit there and lay in the rain, right? Lay wet. Right. Right. I mean, you wouldn't want to either. So you get up and you Mm -hmm. kind of move around. But I think if it starts pouring, you're going to look for shelter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Something else that they mentioned is that they really couldn't uh, tack down a moon phase that affected a deer movement. Uh, They just mentioned that because that's a really popular topic in the deer world, you know? So. They in this particular study, moon phase did not affect movement in their book. So, take that for what it's worth. That's not our opinion. That's just their. Uh, that's just what they said in in the study. Um, something else that they mentioned was that on windy days they saw more v- movement, hmm. which is contrary to a lot what a lot of deer hunters uh, would say. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You, you know, I think timing has something to do with it. I, uh, um, you know, in those uh, early season days when it gets real windy, I, I, it almost seems like there's less movement. Yeah. Um, but in rut, it doesn't, It windy days seem to like that just fine. I don't, you know, I would think that that would screw with their sense of hearing. But the same thing in a bed. I mean, they're sitting there and everything's moving around. How do they see what's coming or hear what's coming or, you know? Yeah. But, uh 
I see plenty of movement in, in wind, um, especially, you know, rut, rut phases. Yeah. To me, it just seemed like the, the story of the article was like deer every day are going to do something, get up and do something. It's like, they, right. there is very little that's going to keep them from moving in a day, you know? They right. have to. And that's, that's something that where I would dive in with that study is what are they doing in that wind? Okay. Right. They move. Where are they moving? Yeah. Are mean, they in the open areas where they can see real well? Are they mm -hmm. sitting on edges where they can see out? Because I'd be yeah. willing to bet that they're doing something to protect their, um, yeah, protect themselves from, from predators. Yeah. You know, because the wind is going to be um, restricting their sight because everything's moving. So something yep. moving, they're not going to see it coming. And it's going to restrict their, their hearing. Um, and, it, you know, I think they can smell just fine in heavy wind, though. But yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like the average elevation of a deer on el on windy days versus non windy days. Like if they do something different with where where they're spending time, or uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, I'm sure it was, it was fairly hilly uh, on all these on these deer, and a lot of them were collared on public land too. So um, that's the thing too. I mean, you get into hilly terrain, and there's going to be a, a side of the hill where they can get in a position where it's not windy. Right. Right. Here's an interesting fact for you. And this is in Pennsylvania, which has the highest density of hunters um, in the country. 90% of deer that survived hunting season made it to the following season. So there's very, very little that killed them outside of hunters, mm. um, which was kind of crazy. Uh, I, I, always, I always wonder, like, how hard on deer uh, hunters are versus cars and but you know, predators and all that. Um, mm -hmm. now these aren't fawns, you know, these are, these are, I think these are for the most part mature and not, not, you know, mature animals. Um, but 90% of them that, that made it through hunting season were there the next hunting season. So that shocked me a little bit. I don't know about you. I don't think 90% is that, you know, that odd because you think 10% getting hit by cars or dying from other means. I think that's probably about right. Yeah, I don't. You, you know, I don't know. Around around here, I, I think uh, deer are real vulnerable to all kinds of death when they're young, whether it's getting hit by a car, or it's getting shot, or whatever. Yeah, um, but they learn some life lessons. I mean, it ain't much different than, than people. I mean, you, mm -hmm. when you're young, you take a lot of risks. Yep. You go out and you do crazy stuff. You get older, you get a little more laid into your stuff. Well, I think you know. Um, those deer learn some life lessons and they uh, start learning how to cross roads. They start learning how to yeah. uh, avoid getting shot. I mean, if they, if they survive the first couple of years, especially on public land, which most of Pennsylvania is heavy hunted pressured land, right? Yeah. You know, they gotta, uh, they gotta adapt or die. So yeah. once they get good at adapting, I think if they get to be three years old, it's a good chance that they don't die from a hunter. Yeah. Um, or they get real old and then they get vulnerable and die yeah. from honor. It is a good feeling about, um, you know, that to kind of know that if they make it, there's a really good chance that they're going to be yeah, there the next year, yeah. you know? Um, another thing that was super interesting. I mean, I, like you said, I'd like to see this study and just be able to look at it personally, but, um, 43% of the deer changed their movement for hunting pressure and altered and altered their pattern the day before season started. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy how they know, like, like season starts tomorrow, boys. Let's start doing something different. Well, it's because people invade the woods. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, I always said, uh, you know, you look at uh, Wisconsin, and I don't think it's much different than any other state. It's the stupidest thing ever. You look, they open ducks at noon. They open yeah. pheasants at noon. But deer, they open them in, uh, before dawn. Yeah. And you would think opening day of gun deer season, they would open it at noon. They'd catch a lot of deer off guard. They go out there in the yeah. dark, the whole woods. Around, around me, you just watch all these people invade the woods before it's even daylight, fill the whole woods up with people. It's yeah. like just slapping them on the rear end and saying, we're coming for you. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. that oh, survives yeah. a lot of deer. Yep. If you, if you had your own property and you had a bunch of guys that were hunting on it, I think having a rule that you couldn't hunt in the morning on opening day, I think would be, uh, would kill a lot of deer, but you'd have a hard time convincing your, your hunting partners but, of yeah. that because right. everybody wants to be out there for opening morning, right. but getting out there in the evening and catching them off guard is way better. Yeah. Yep. Um, they did mention that those 43, 43% that changed their movement. They really didn't change their home range. They still stayed in the, in the they same general west, area. Right? Yep. And they, yep. And they, and it, it mentioned, it went on and on about how these, these deer have just a knack for hiding inside of their home range during season. Yep. Oh man. It'd be cool to just see where they do. Like if you could see what they do before season, like where the, exactly they go just to see if it's in like a little overlook spots or behind whatever else, you know, um, they did some, they did some, they had some brief things about the rut. They traveled, uh, most bucks would travel up to five miles a day during the rut. Um, they didn't say any, they didn't have any crazy numbers about anything over that. You know, you hear about some really far movements of, of bucks. Um, but as soon as rifle season hit that number on the average was uh, cut in half. So when rifle season would come in, they would, it would, it would be half that uh, pretty much the day of they'd quit moving so far. So again, how much pressure from hunters affect, affect these, uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline deer and the vast majority of all the bucks stayed within a mile square their yeah. whole lives which is pretty cool yeah. um one look, of the bucks right in there. you look at i mean how often i kill a deer i've been hunting for three four years and they're always right in the same area yeah right right mm -hmm. right one of the bucks bedded on top of this ridge overlooking a parking lot most of the time that he's he laid there. <laughs> that's what they said in the in the article. Um, mm -hmm. It was cool reading the article because I'm like, wow, that's crazy, you know. Um. So that was that was good to know. 
The average lifespan was uh, one. But you didn't years. have. But you didn't have a cool name for it, like Fat Girl Stand or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fat chick. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, but the the average life of the Bucks were uh, one to two years. Most of them didn't make it till to three. They said, which is shot by hunters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they had one buck that made it nine hunting seasons. Made it nine hunting seasons. Yeah. Did they have anything about um, when they reached the age of four or more that they that 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 particular animals lived longer? No, they didn't mention anything like that. Um, be interesting to know, but well, that one guy that made it nine hunting season, he figured it out. That's for sure. Yeah. That's an old buck. Not very many of them making that. That I don't know what percentage of buck get make it to nine, but it's a very extremely low low uh, number. Black bears, other than humans, black bears were the uh, the number one predator that killed the deer. Fawns, though, uh, right? Probably. Actually, I, I don't know. The killing the collared said, deer. Yep. So if you're killing that's collared deer, it's not fawns, right? That's what they said. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Uh, it said. Uh, you know, out of all the predators, you know, coyotes, um, cars, what else do they say? Uh, bobcats, there's some other things, and they said black bears were the number one. Um, I wonder predator. if they're referring to adult deer or fawns. I don't That'd know. Be, I, the way I, deer, they maybe they, adults. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I misspoke. Maybe they're, they, maybe, maybe, maybe they were, um, collar and fawns too i'm not sure um i did see a video of a uh, um a couple of videos of uh um black bears killing adult deer but i always thought that that was just a rarer thing yeah not sure they can run what... they do run faster than a deer i don't know if a lot yeah. of people know that but uh they can outrun a a deer for spurts course, right yeah but they can only yeah. run a very short distance but if they get yeah. close enough to the deer they can outrun it they can catch it Here's a cool fact that doesn't have to do anything with deer hunting, really, but the does had their fawns near man-made structures most of the time, either a road or a house or something. Mm -hmm. And they think it's because of there was that's a there's fewer predators around those areas, um, which I thought that was neat, and it kind of makes sense because you'll see like a doe and fawn random places. It seems like you know. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of does had their fawns near human structures, they said. Um, it kind of goes to show you, like, the overlooked spots. They know where people don't go and where yeah, go, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and this is the final point I had written down, but it was pretty interesting. Um, and they were making the point, like, a lot of hunters have this attitude that uh, deer hunting's horrible on public land and all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and that... Uh, People just kill all the deer on public land and there's none there, you know. Um, one season, they had 32 deer collared on a piece of public in Pennsylvania. And of the 32, 31 of them made it through the season. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good to survive in there. Well, you, you know, people always talk about how pounded the public is. And I get it because they think that because they, you go out here and you won't yeah. see deer it becomes a ghost town it's just the deer are hiding yeah. but literally you don't even hear hardly any shots you yeah. go, you know you hop around like 
do when I do drives and drive around to public land, you don't see anybody dragging deer out. You don't see any deer on the cars. You see all the guys coming out empty handed. It's not very often I'm seeing guys actually shoot deer on the public land. I think yeah. a few people shoot all the deer. Yeah. There's a small percentage of hunters that kill the majority of the deer. Yeah. I think a lot of people go five or 10 years without even shooting a doe. Yeah. Yep. Um, those were all the major points in this study, which it was a, like I said, I'd like to look at it, but um, it's a pretty extensive study. I think it came out about six days ago was whenever the, the study was re- released. Um, but it really did confirm a bunch of stuff that we, we, you know, kind of preach here on the, on this show, which was, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 one that I thought was the the coolest was a thirty one and a thirty two deer um, survived on on public land they had on a piece of public they had them um, collared on so they're there you just gotta you gotta put all them other factors in into your arsenal that we um, you know they're good at hiding as well so um, anyway was there any any points that kind of you didn't you disagreed with Dan or thought was, would be some other uh, factors that may. The only thing that, that uh, I thought was a little odd was the, um, the distance moving in rut. I, I just had to wonder, I'm thinking that maybe it's at nighttime. Yeah. You, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking that they're moving that far in daylight unless they're young deer, but it sounded like, from a couple of points you made that they probably are young deer. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the farthest they've had to move was five miles. The oh, vast I majority, an average of five miles. No, no, no. That's the, that the most they moved was five miles. The most they had one move was five miles and the, and most all the bucks stayed within a mile range of their home area. Uh, okay. That makes more sense than I, than I kind of, yeah. so I misunderstood it. That's why I didn't agree. Yeah, I could have said it wrong. Too. I've seen some other uh, studies out of uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, they do really good studies. And I think uh, I generally uh, tend to see them come kind of uh, confirm what we've been saying all these years that everybody's been saying bullshit on us. <laughs> but, yeah, right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Anyway. Go check it out. Hopefully, maybe they'll maybe someone else will publish a different article about it, so you don't have to pay for it. But right now, you got to pay for the article, which sucks. But Scott Cronin, I got to give him credit. He's the one that sent me this and uh, uh, brought it to my attention. So he was on whatever a uh, bunch of episodes ago. But cool stuff. Um, I was going to ask you, Dan, how's your barn coming along? I've, I haven't heard about it for a week. Mm, source box. <laughs> okay. So, uh, um, I had it out with the guy that's working for me and, and really got on yeah. his case. And, um, uh, then he started showing up and, uh, he, he had to get the, um, electric pedestal put in and he had to put an electrical panel and then it could be inspected. And he put that stuff in and he finished it up yesterday. And the inspector came today and I was out doing food plots and the inspector was so concerned. He called me and said, everything's wired wrong. The thing's on backwards. There's all kinds of problems. And uh, he said, I don't know. This is literally what the inspector told me. He said, 
I don't know who you got doing this, but he is not an electrician. He knows nothing about electrical, and you should you should get rid of him and get somebody in here that knows what they're doing. Mm. Gotta, I can't pass this. This is crazy. It's so bad. He said. Really. So then, uh, he said he would call the the guy up. So then uh, he called me just after that. And said, hey, that inspector was supposed to show today. Did you hear anything from him? He hasn't called me yet or anything. I said, yeah, I heard from him. <laughs> I said, oh, no. You wired everything wrong. The wire's the wrong gauge. You got it uh, grounded wrong. Uh, that it's not hooked up right. And something's got to be moved. And he's like, oh, he's a young guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. So you're kind of back to, I mean, not back to square one, but you got you know, and I got to get it put, put up. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. uh, the, the funny part is too, I mean, um, he, he put the Eric noticed that the, you know, when he was over, he said, your windows on wrong. And, uh, the inspector pointed it out too. He goes, yeah, the windows wrong. You're going to have leaking there. You're going to have leaking on the door here. This is wrong. That's wrong. And yeah. Sometime yeah. while I was out uh, doing something, they, they took a huge, uh, angle iron and they put it in there to straighten out the twist that they had in the barn too never said nothing to me i look up there and there's just this giant uh 20 foot piece of 3a steel angle iron bolted to the to the wall i'm like hmm. oh okay my well God. at least they straightened it yeah so it's getting annoying yeah. <laughs> i'd imagine so yeah <sighs> remember yeah. when he when he took the job, he told me two weeks. It took him two weeks. Yep. Yeah, not two years. No. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. You guys, you want to do this Osseo gear giveaway before we get into questions? I got, I got this little uh, comment picker up here. So, I've. Uh, you gonna do it? I've, I've reached out to two people now, and I have not heard a word from either one of them. So, um. I left comments on the YouTube channel. I, I sent them an email and nobody's gotten back with me. So they're off the list now. We're going to pick one. We're going to get one tonight. Okay. Um, here's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to share too my slow, screen. Too sorry, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait forever to give them away. So um, let's see here. I have a random picker on this uh, video I put up yesterday or two days ago. Um, with Huck commentating for me about the uh, the giveaway, so um, it's gonna have to. Uh, I'll click get YouTube comment, and it'll pull up the one who won. Who won? So uh, let's see here. Oh, I must have did math wrong. Nine divided by nine is one, right? <laughs> right. That's right. Right. Why did it not go? Show random name. Sorry, the caption that you entered is wrong. Is that a plus sign? That's a plus sign. Sorry. Jeez Louise, people. I was wondering why they were giving me these uh, hard math problems. Not that nine, nine divided by nine is, is uh, wrong. But all right, let's go down. Here we go. Going through the comments. It's selecting. You never want to be the first comment or the last comment. Yeah. Never picks those. Do you ever notice that? 
Oh, what the heck? Okay, it's not it's not allowing me to. Uh, here, I'll I'll, uh, I'll fix it real quick. Bear with me, everybody. <laughs> you should have been like practicing this before the show. Well, it it uh, it was supposed to work. Let's see here. Hmm. There's another one here. Anyway, let's see here. All right, let me try this one. <laughs> High quality production here, everybody. You're going to have to start printing names, shooting it with the bowl. That's what we're doing with the bowl. I know. I know. Do that one with the bowl. I like that idea. Are you still thinking you're going to? Uh... Yeah, whenever you want to. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is a better website if you're going to pick one, guys. It works. It doesn't make you pay for it. All right. Pick a winner. There were 750 comments. Nick Howard. Nick he just Howard. posted BBD. Nick Howard. So, Nick, I will go and send you a message. Uh, and is, he if on, uh, is he on tonight? Can you tell? I don't know. I can't tell. Hey, Nick, you out there? Yeah, I'll leave a comment below if you're on here, Nick. So, Nick, Nick was the winner. I don't see him in there. Yeah. Are you there, Nick? Um, if Nick doesn't get back with me before next Thursday, we will pick someone live on the show. That's on the what show. If, what if both Nick and Howard get a hold of you? Then what are you going to do? Uh, I had to fight over it. <laughs> live on the show. <laughs> uh, have you ever won anything, Dan, on giveaways? Yeah, I win stuff every now and then, just randomly. I don't know. I never really sign up for stuff. But yeah, I don't. I don't either. Um, I won an eight hundred dollar bike once at work. Really? Like a pedal bike, not a. Not yeah, like, like a custom bike. built one. They made me go to a bike shop, get it built, and I was gonna just get it built and then sell it. I had yeah. somebody who wanted to buy it, and Carol's like, "No, nah, I want it. I want it. I'm gonna ride it all over the place." And, all right. So I kept it. I'm like, you're never going to ride it. She goes, I'm going to ride it all over. And she took it out like three times and it's still rotten in my garage. Now it's all about the end. <laughs> oh, geez. As a matter of fact, I think actually a couple weeks ago, I wheeled it out to the road and just let somebody take it. I just put it on the kickstand and just set it out there. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got, a, I got a little mountain bike that has a seat on the front of it, like, not on the front, but in in front of my seat for Huck, and we ride it around sometimes. Mm. Um, but that's the only bike I uh, I have. I'm not a big bike rider. Ron's Garage asks, "Can you shoot collar deer?" Yeah, I think you can. I think they. I mean, I don't think they want you to treat them any differently than um, <laughs> normally do. I think they, you know, we're not prejudiced. Doesn't matter what color they are. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now there's a difference between like a uh, collar deer and like someone a, a deer with a dog collar on. I know I wouldn't shoot one that had a dog collar. Like if it was someone that mm -hmm. had it coming into their yard, I, I'd feel bad for shooting it like a kid's. Pet That's it's, it's interesting because uh, you can you can shoot collared deer in most places, um, but I know in uh, in Minnesota, if you shoot a collared bear, they really get upset. Really? Yeah. It's it's it's. I guess it's legal but uh if you do it um 
and they find out who you are. I mean, they'll put you all over the paper and stuff. And then, mm. yeah, they go nuts over it because of their uh, research and stuff like that. And um, they have a weird law. The law says you cannot shoot a colored bear if it is with a researcher at the time. So, or I think it says if it's accompanied by a researcher. And I always thought that'd be odd. You walk up to yeah. a person, take him for a walk and shoot it. Has that, has that happened before? <laughs> yeah, I, I, guess I guess there's been some problems with people shooting collared bears in Minnesota. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I know. Uh, some guys have shot them and then they cut the collar off and uh, try to hide the fact that they shot a collared one because people get so mad about it. Yeah. But uh, you should be able to see the collar just fine. You, they usually wrap it in uh, like orange and stuff and yeah, I, I would never shoot in Minnesota. I mean, they would they would hang you. I would just yeah. I treat it yeah. as if it's illegal. I think they'd like it to be illegal, but they can't find a way to make it outlaw to outlaw it. I know a bunch of, um, not a bunch. I know uh, like ducks. People shoot ducks all the time with that are called or uh, banded, and then uh, which you wouldn't be able to totally tell that. But uh, I remember back in the day, Michael Waddell shot a uh, collared buck and i i remember the episode he just called it in and they came out and showed him the information on where all the buck had traveled to and all that mm. they didn't seem to have a problem with it at all but um from what i've been told what i've been told is if you see a collared one you can shoot it it's it's they want you if you want to shoot it you know unless it's, you just want to pass it it's fine too but i don't think they really want you to treat it, treat it any differently ron's garage thanks for the membership man hope you enjoy the emojis um let's see here thanks elizabeth let's see here she says last week's episode got me thinking dan low-lying swamps do you find big bears and big bucks in close proximity or do the bears run out the deer that's a very good question now um when I don't really see them run the deer off. Um, one would think they do, um, but I've had uh, a lot of deer coming into my bear baits, uh, especially when I use pita bread. They really, the deer really love the pita bread when the bears would open it. Really? If you remember the bear bait buck, um, that buck and a whole bunch of other deer would yeah. often be in the pictures of the bear in the background waiting for the bear to leave so that they come eat the pita bread when I'd have a camera over the bait. So they'd be standing there while the bear is there. I mean, they wouldn't come real close. They wouldn't eat next to it or something. But I actually, um, what's interesting is had a lot of wolves hitting those baits too. And the wolves would be in, and now you wouldn't see a deer in the background, but 15 minutes after the wolves would leave, deers would be there. Yeah. It seemed really surprising because, I mean, that's like a major predator they should be terrified of. Yeah. Hmm. Again, they just learned to live amongst the danger, you know? Yeah. All right. Adam had a question for you, Danny. He said, my dad remembers back in the 80s and 90s how soybeans were a huge attractant for deer. You know, he's noticed much less interest the past 10 years. Do you agree with that? I think it changes in the plant DNA or pesticides have affected. No, I know they were working on, um, they were working on changing the DNA of, uh, of soybeans to, um, make it less palatable for deer, um, the leaves, so that uh, deer wouldn't eat them as bad. 
I don't know if they were successful on that or not. But mm -hmm. with today's world, with the genetics and stuff, I, I would I would be really surprised if they haven't done things to make them less palatable. Yeah, I used to work in the agriculture industry. I've never heard of them talk about that, but uh, they definitely don't have that type of bean across the road from my house right now. I'm talking about from daylight till dark, there are deer across the road from my house right now eating these beans that they just planted mm -hmm. late. I'm talking about no matter when you look out there and there's at least two or three does out there eating those beans. You know, so, I saw an interesting um, article or like um, study um, years ago on deer and uh, crops and it had nothing to do with hunting. It was a farm study and they were studying uh, uh, corn variations and how to keep deer from eating your corn mm -hmm. um, in areas with high populations. And they were studying a, a corn called uh, high lysine corn. Now, high lysine corn is used to make tortilla chips and things mm -hmm. like that. It's not like, uh, well, you, you you work with farm products, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a specialty corn, so high lysine corn. So what they did was they tried, uh, like, planting that with regular corn, like the cow corn or whatever, um, in, in a strip and seeing if that would the deer would go to that and leave the other corn alone. And what they found is it would draw so many deer in that they'd eat the high lysine corn completely and then attack the other corn. Then they, tr they tried putting some in the middle of a uh, cornfield and they had these deer go all the way through the cornfield to get to this high lysine corn and ate it all before they ate the other corn. Hmm. And uh, yet when people put corn food plots in, they just buy regular cow corn. Yeah. Um, I've never seen any like... Um, food plot people pick up on that but if anybody's doing corn plots high lysine corn hmm. that'd be interesting to um for someone to try that um let's see here thanks for the membership i am jay bernardi hope you enjoy the emojis i see you're using them <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, JB, he says, call me JB. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's much easier. I almost actually called you that. Uh, I was thinking about it in my head, but then I didn't, uh, didn't want to offend you, but all right. Adam has another question here. He said, I've noticed best rut morning movement around nine to 10 AM. I think going in early, calm, dark sometimes going uh, doing more harm than good get in at sunrise question mark yeah. yeah i think i think to me it's it's a little dependent on where and how you're hunting i think you gotta you gotta look at the picture more i think more people think about a place as a spot you know this is the spot that i hunt you gotta think about timing so i think there's places that bucks bed in the early morning you know before dark maybe till daylight and then when they get up and move, I think they do go to another bedinary when they lay back down. Where's that? And where are they traveling in between time? Yeah. So those are the things you got to take into to account. I mean, because there's places to be in the early morning and there's places to be, you know, midday or to 10 o'clock rain, 10 to 11 o'clock when they're moving. Um, there's, you, you know, I, I think, uh, like I remember hearing so many people tell me that they hunt all day. And it's like they hunt the same stand. I, I, I can't even fathom that. There's a place where you'd hunt in the morning, 
where they're betting, you know, then there's a place you'd shift where they're, you know, like, uh, uh, moving between two, um, doe bedding areas, like on a, on a tight Ridge, a little, uh, corridor, a funnel, you get near to like, like that nine ten range. And then maybe you're going to move back to, um, a bedding area for the evening, you know, but I can't see sitting in the same spot all day. There's, I've always got a plan of where, how is this buck that I'm hunting traveling this woods? And I'm thinking about the time frames he's moving. So yeah, maybe it's best to get in there at 10 or 11, but for that particular spot, maybe, yeah. you know, or that particular type of hunting. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of thing you have to take in consideration when you're thinking about timing on hunting. Yeah. Along with all the other, you know, we, like we've said a hundred times on here about coming in and screwing everything up. And I mean, um, you're, you're right on the money there. Uh, thanks Richard for, for joining the membership. Chris asks, he says, how old were your children when you joined, when they joined you for a public land hunt? Was it archery or gun? I can't answer that one yet. The drum when it came along. For me, probably, I think on public kids, land. On public land. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think it was probably um, James was probably the youngest doing that, and he was probably in the uh, ten-year-old range when he came along with me. Um, but neither in that time frame, back in those days, they couldn't hunt till they were twelve. Oh, so they didn't actually hunt until twelve years old. Yeah, um, and they really didn't want to spend a whole lot of time hunting with me, and I didn't really want to babysit and hunt at the same time. But I did take them out with right. me or on goof around hunts a few times. Right. How about you? You take uh, Huck out all the time, don't you? Yeah, I'm not on hunting well, trips really, though. Yeah, just screwing screwing around. Um, really in public land chasing deer or anything? No, uh, not never. I mean, he's came with me on a like checking trail cameras on public land but it's like i'm just carrying him around essentially so mm -hmm. um now he's he's a long ways from that he's only three though so it'll be it'll be a while um, i used to uh take my nephews out they always wanted to go with me when they'd come over to visit mm -hmm. and i remember um i had two nephews who um that were my brother jerry's kids that uh, were always over visiting and they always uh looked up to me and uh one was clay um, Clay's the one that wrote the music for uh, for me. The oh, the Ozzy Osbourne knock, the the that always gets you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, his younger brother, and he was probably like, uh, let's say eight, and his brother was like five or six, and we'd go way out in the woods, and uh, I'd always go. I had this game. I'd go run and hide on Eric, and we just me and his brother would just split. And Eric would just start crying and fall over. <laughs> I still laugh thinking about that. Uh, good old Uncle <laughs> Uncle James. We left. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Um, let's see here. Adam had to said one more question. He said, "Do you notice good deer action in the morning slash day after a really windy night?" Mm hmm can't say i i've noticed any kind of difference in that situation what i have noticed is rainy nights if you have like a s massive storm in the nighttime i see a lot better movement in the mornings yeah like they get a they, they like hunker down they still got to eat rain stops mm -hmm. to get out eating like say it uh rains in the evening you know what i mean 
like into the night, like 10, 11 o'clock, it stops raining. Well, they get in their routine later. You know what I mean? They start their routine and they get back later. And uh, I've had pretty good uh, action at bedding areas in the morning after nights that rained. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Matt asked, do you notice more does in areas that have higher food concentration or more bucks with lower food? I, I notice more concentrations of deer where there's more food on both bucks and does. So like you take uh, Dave's farm that we were talking about earlier, let me put in food plots in there. On years I don't put food plots in, I don't see near as many deer as the years that I put food plots in. Mm-hmm. It attracts does and it attracts bucks. All right. Gary asked, what time do we normally go out to the stand? I'm assuming he's um, talking about, you want to go for morning and evening hunts? What time do you would you go in, like on a perfect scenario on a morning hunt? Um, perfect scenario on a morning hunt, I like to be in the stand and settled down and quiet an hour before daylight. Yeah. Um, when I go in in the evening on the perfect hunt, I would say I like to be in there, you know, um, a good two or three hours before sunset. I don't yeah. like getting in real early. I don't like, um, like say you get in there 11, 12 or something because Man, most of the time you're sitting on an edge or something. It just takes one gust to swirl off of that edge and go the wrong way. Right. You know, and you, you get like a more of a steady wind um, the later it gets. But the later it gets, the more likely that buck is more alert in his bed and just laying there listening. Yeah. So it's kind of a catch-22. You know what I mean? But I do want to get there at least a couple hours before sunset so that you know, you can slide in there. If the deer does hear something, he has time to forget about it. Um, you know, kind of the scenario where like, uh, if you're in a stand and you, um, you're, you're staring at the buck bedding area and you hear this buck coming out of the bedding area, you hear him break a branch and you're like, that is 100% a buck coming right at me. You know it, right? Mm-hmm. You've been there, right? Oh yeah. And then you sit there for a half an hour without hearing another thing. And you're like, was that a buck? But you're still staring. You know, yeah. I'm not too sure anymore. I should have been here by now. And then after another 15 or 20 minutes, you just completely forgot about it. It just yeah. goes out of your mind. You don't care anymore. It's it obviously wasn't a buck. If that deer hears you coming in there, he hears a branch break. He hears one little thing, and he's going to be locked on you. Like what is going on over there? Whether he can see you or not, and he's going to be concentrating on that, and he's not going to get up and go that way anytime in the near future. But if you get in that tree quiet enough where he never really locks on you, he just settles down after a while. You know, he just forgets about you. Now, that's, I can't say that that's known fact, <laughs> but right. I can say that it just makes sense. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Getting there a little earlier so that you, you're you not getting there last minute, you know? Yeah. Uh, you want to go, uh, you want to get in there early enough where you can take your time. <laughs> go slow. Correct. Correct. Um, that's, that's. That I think costs a lot because like a guy like me, I'm, I'm running around working in yeah, around. businesses and stuff. And you're trying to hurry up and get out hunting and you're like, okay, I, I got a couple hours I can get out. And you find yourself racing to the stand. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, 
I mean, that's when you make mistakes. That's when you're pushing it. You're breaking a branch or something. And you're better off going slow on kicking one every now and then that's coming in. Yeah. And you are racing in there because they're going to catch you on that racing. One yeah. thing I got to do is because of my fast-paced life, you know, in the machine shop and running around, you know, with everything else I'm doing. Yeah. When I get into the woods, I, I find myself just going super fast. And I have to literally, when I get close to the, and this probably isn't everybody. This is just me and how I am. There's probably some people that can relate to this. I get about a hundred yards from my destination where I'm, I'm getting to the point where pretty soon they're going to be able to hear me coming. I don't only slow down. I stop. I stop and sit down for a minute, like on a log or something and just sit there for a little bit, mm -hmm. completely settle down. And I need that to slow down. I just have a hard time. I'll just keep speeding up if I just try slowing down. You know what I mean? But I got to yeah. slow my whole body down and just sit down for a second and just get into slow mode. Right, and, then, and that's just me. I mean, I don't think everybody's like that, but I'm sure some people are. Right. Um, same concept in the morning too. Like if you're, I mean, if if I don't know where I'm going to go in the morning or sit, I'll I'll try to get there, like get the base of the tree as it's just breaking enough light to see. You know, maybe 20 minutes before legal light, and get up in the tree, and when I can be quiet and not maybe not have to use a headlamp and all that kind of stuff. Uh, more, but if you know. Are trickier because yeah. there is no sound in the in the nighttime oh it's just every little noise you make just echoes through the woods man i'll be sitting in the woods out here and i can hear every person that comes in that woods and hear where they set up yeah and if i can hear that from the tree you better bet those deer can oh yeah yep all right ron's garage asks is there such a thing as too much food he said i found a secluded cornfield with grapes and raspberries on one side and oaks on the other. He said it's perfect bedding downwind of the field. No, not really. I mean, they're yeah. going to pick one. They're going to be eating on one of them, and you just got to figure out which one they're on. Uh, I think uh, the more the food, the more likely you're going to have a deer in that area because he's going to have a food for every time from you'll You'll find that they'll eat on the oaks for a while. There'll be a time when they shift to the... Uh, to the corn there'll be a time when they shift to the grapes there'll be a time when they shift you, you know the grape vines or whatever there'll be times when they shift to this that or some wild plant or stinging nettles yeah. and you just got to be on in tune with what they're eating and the time frames they eat it yep um slugworth thanks for joining the membership man um you seem real excited about it <laughs> uh it kind of sucks because we can't. I can't see the emojis on my end. It just it's just a bunch of jibber jabber on my end, which is kind of disappointing. But as long as it's working on your guys' end, that's all that matters. Um, let's see here. We're getting to about the end of the questions. Um, Brett was asking about. Uh, we are, yeah. And the topic was really good too. Really interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> Brent asked if if he could if if Dan could approve his hunting beast form account. <laughs> a private message. Um, that's one way to get. That's one way to get a hold of Dan is through here now. Um, that's funny. We're we're actually uh, Carol runs the uh, the account. Um. And we get so many spams that anything yeah. that looks suspicious gets dropped. 
So uh, if you're having a hard time getting on there, send me a message. I'll forward it over to Carol. Um, one thing is, though, if you're if you're trying to join the forum and uh, if you're sending me a message and it's like you've been waiting a day or two, just give it a little bit. Yeah. Because she, does, she approves people about once a week. Yeah. Or once every week, 10 days or so. But if it's been longer than that, let me know. Maybe there's an issue. Um, but she usually... Uh, She'll send emails and stuff too. So if you're using your correct email, you should be getting emails. You can check your spam. Yeah. Um, but if you, you're not getting on, send me a private message and uh, I'll let her know you're not the uh, spam bot. Yeah, there you go. Dan, what caliber of buck is going to be your standard in Iowa? Mm, I guess that depends. I, I, I think I'm going to start out thinking probably, you know, um, you know, you know, probably in the 120 range class, you know, yeah. or better. Um, but if I, you know, I get onto something really good, then I, I might uh, up that. Yep. Um, but I think uh, for me, um, I really don't think about score wise. It's kind of hard to even say it like that. The score or age, I kind of uh, look at it as if it, if I think it would be worthy for my wall. If I'd hang yeah. it on the wall, I'd shoot it. I don't want to shoot a buck. I'm not going to um, put on the wall. Right. Right. I mean, anybody going out of state, uh, no matter where you're going, 120 inch deer, it's hard to, it's hard to accomplish. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm not going to, you know, 120 inch 10 pointer ain't a very big deer. Right. But, but yeah, I got like three know, of them might, back here. <laughs> uh, exactly. You, you, yeah. you might get a, an 80 inch, deer or something that only has four points or something that i'd shoot in a heartbeat with four mm -hmm. points you know but so i mean it's not really relative to score or anything it's more relative to would i hang it on the wall and mm -hmm. if i'd mount it i'm gonna shoot it yep lynn said that he uh, read the same study he he said it also said which it did i just didn't put this in my notes i um, don't know why i didn't but um most deer use roads pipelines creeks things like that for their boundaries do we have any any thoughts on that you mentioned in i'd the, agree with that. i yeah. would agree with that and and, and I've, I've noticed that and even even uh, when they cross those roads and stuff it seems like that road is a hard boundary like they cross it you know here and there you don't see them where the road's in the middle too often unless it's like a gravel road or something but i i've noticed that that uh um and that's kind of how i uh um target a buck you know like you find a buck in an area you kind of look at the where could it be? Well, there's a river over here. There's a road over there. And I really don't look beyond those spots much. And I usually don't find them when you go beyond those hard transitions, right? Yeah. Phil, the wise ass, if you've retired, Dan. No. 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 <laughs> Retarded, maybe. Retired. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to uh... probably work like I, I, I just, uh, I, you, you know, they're trying to uh, push me out of work. Uh, they keep uh, hitting me with all liberal crap um, and making me watch yeah. rainbow videos and all kinds of stuff. And then you make one comment on the video and they make you watch nine of them. <laughs> you're, you're talking like you've had some experience recently with that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I have, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> my boss watches it times. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining the membership, man. Uh, Josh, your light shines down like a ray of light. Yes, I know. 
it, if my it, boss is watching this, I really like Rainbow um, videos. It was really nice. <laughs> I don't need any more. I've learned a lot. I love I've tried, all people. I've tried to get rid of that uh, that beam of light that shines down. That's a poor design on my part, but I can't get can't get rid of it. Different camera would work, but um, Jeez, now it's annoying me. I didn't even notice until he said something. Now it's annoying. Yeah, I could just like move my computer over, and it wouldn't be that way, but. Uh, well, um, thanks for joining, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Uh, let's see here. What just happened? My chats just went all screwy on me. Um, sorry, guys. My chat, my uh, my chat went all the way to the top, so I got to scroll back down to where I was. And you guys have been talking a lot, so um. So, uh, Farrell said I need some rainbow shirts. I yeah, there you so. go. Need those. <sighs> Maybe Ricky Poo needs one of those. Did you see Dan uh that deer eating that snake that was going all over Facebook yes. recently? Yes. I sent it to you. I thought maybe you'd do it as a news article. Well, yeah, I I mean we could right now, but um that was that was kind of crazy looking. I, I'm sure everybody probably saw it. I can get on my Facebook as Dan sent it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up here on the, on the that screen. That was the Chuck Norris deer. Yeah, I guess so. Have you... Uh, Chopped on a big snake. I uh, I remember a video um, that went viral uh, years ago of a deer at the lakefront here in Wisconsin. Uh, somebody videotaped it uh, eating baby birds out of a nest. Yeah, I remember that too. Here, share video. Here it is. You guys haven't seen this yet. You look at this thing just chomping on a snake. Sorry, the the snake I can't tell. I don't know nothing much about them to, to be able to tell. It almost looks like it's in a pen or something. Deer. Mm. Um, Might just yeah. be a, like a cattle fence or something because yeah he's it driving on be. the road could be um and the deer isn't tagged or anything but i thought it's that was crazy really it probably can't breathe because it's got a snake down his throat right so not run. yeah um you wonder what all the you know um that's yeah, just crazy here's a good question Josh asks, what advice can you offer for someone looking to start self-filming hunts? Um, my main piece of advice would be to think about if you really want to do that. Um, and the reason I say that is because it starts out, it's pretty hard. But once you get used to it, it's real easy. I mean, now I wouldn't even think of not taking my camera along. It's with me all the time, and it's just a second arm. But at first, it's pretty tough. So if you're going to do it, my main piece of advice would be, to, to um, mount it on a camera arm. Don't try mounting it on your bow or your head or anything. Mount it on a camera arm and zoom your camera all the way back. It's fine to zoom in and uh, to follow deer around and film them really nice when you have no intention on, on killing it and your bow is up on a hanger. But if you got your bow in your hand, you're going to kill one. You get that camera zoomed all the way back and you aim it where you're going to shoot it and then you forget about the camera and you just shoot the deer 
And then what I do is as soon as I shoot dead deer, I grab the camera and I follow it as it runs. Yeah. Um, but I don't touch that camera until I shoot. Um, and that, that means you're not filming it walk in either. Because what happens is, is you're going to get, you're going to have problems shooting deer if you're trying to move that camera around while you're um, handling a bow and, and all that stuff. But if you zoom back, you got a wide screen, you know, and then you can, you're, you're more than likely going to have it in the screen. I don't even really look at the screen. I just aim it mm -hmm. because the camera has such a wide pan that you're going to be aiming right in the general direction. I mean, if I have time, I'll look at the screen and make sure I'm kind of in the general direction. But yep. that's the main advice I'd give. You got any? Yeah, I mean, that's great advice. I would tell you, uh, don't go out and spend thousands of dollars on camera equipment until you know it's something you really like. I would, I would, if you're going your first year, maybe just try it with your phone or something before you go spend a bunch of money. Cause it's, um, me and Dan have been doing it a long time. It's, it's, it's expensive and it's, it's, uh, it's overwhelming at first. So you got to really commit to it. And, uh, um, I, I get messages. That's probably one of the big questions I get is like, what camera should I buy? What camera do I, do I personally use? And I'm like, eh, you don't need the one I use, you know, just, if you're just starting off, just, um, uh, just give it a go. I mean, the, the cell phones now, especially if you're just personally using it for personal use, just try that, see how hard it is for you. And then if you want to upgrade the following year, if you're getting into it, that that's what I would do. But gear does not matter. Dan, Dan created the Hunting Beast YouTube channel with probably what a two hundred fifty dollar uh, yeah, camcorder. That. Yeah, because I'd burn so, them out once or twice a year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now I bought a now I buy better cameras and uh, right. I still burn them out once a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. But they're more expensive. Um, no. Uh, yep. You know. You know. Most people are more critical of their gear and stuff, but uh, I just hunt extremes, and I got to have a camera when I'm hunting. So I, I guess what I'm going to try and do more now, though, is I'm going to try and do more like GoPro stuff that will handle yeah. rain and stuff better. But, or if I go down a river or something like that, you, yeah. you know, instead of drowning my camera. And yeah. My, the extremes uh, I hunt didn't kill a lot of cameras. My, uh, my Indiana buck, my Wisconsin buck, last year, I'm trying to think, um, Ohio, or uh, the doe I shot in Michigan, they're all filmed on this little point and shoot camera. You can get these for like 400 bucks now. Um, you don't have to have a lot like to, to do that kind of stuff. So don't, don't even get caught up. Even digital cameras are pretty good nowadays. Oh yeah. 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 This little thing has like a one inch sensor. So it's good in low light and it's real compact. Now, if you're rifle hunting or something, this isn't great because of the zooms only like four X. Um, but for bow hunting, it's a really good little camera. Uh, especially if you're in thick cover where you can't film far anyway, but, um, all right. Paul asked Dan, describe your emotions and reactions to shooting a big buck. You call people from the tree, you yell in victory. How soon you climb out of the stand and find your arrow, et cetera. Uh, pretty often I'll send, uh, like somebody close a message, like maybe, uh, Josh or Eric or, uh, yeah. Mario or somebody. Um, especially if I'm hunting with somebody and it's just because you're, you know, you're kind of, it's kind of a celebratory thing. You know, you shot this target animal you're after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't always do that. I remember, uh, you probably remember the video where, uh, I walk up to Mario after the hunt and, uh, he tells me this whole story about this little four pointer and stuff. And I let him tell the whole story. And then I'm like, 
yeah, I had this deer come in and I told him I draw it out a little bit. And I'm like, then I shot it and it's laying over there dead. <laughs> it's kind of fun to surprise people like that. Too. Yeah. You know, yeah, for I'm sure. Um, emotion wise, uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of a high there. Uh, yeah. I think everybody gets that if you don't stay home, you know, right. you take up golf. But uh, yeah, I, you know, when you shoot an animal that you've been after for a while, it's a, a pretty emotional thing, I think. Um, yeah. It, it usually doesn't hit me right away. I usually, which is probably a good thing. You stay calm, you take the shot and all that kind of stuff. But um, right. when, I, when I was uh, younger, I used to get um, pretty shook up if a deer was coming from a long way. It's like if you've seen a target animal, a real big buck, right. and it's coming from you know 200 yards out slow at you. By the time it would get to me, I'd be a bag of nerves. But uh, oh, I've yeah. taken that's gone away years ago. Fixed it. There you go. That looks good, huh? All right. Yeah, you look better. Getting in uh, the dark is ugly. I'm very good at, uh, yeah, I'm very good at keeping my uh, crap together in the moment and then i'm i have the biggest drill and dump afterwards which you guys can tell on the on the uh on my video you do get a little excited it's, yeah, it's cool I'm, I'm i'm good at i'm really good at keeping my uh calm when things are you know happening so um but i i get pretty fired up afterwards um david asked are there times when the landscape is so steep on a setup that you find it better to hunt from the ground than an elevated position. I always try to get elevated. I think in the steep areas, I don't know that it'd be an advantage to be on the ground. The only trouble with the, the elevated areas is you get up a tree, sometimes it's like you got to get so high that you could have problems. I like to be above them in steep terrain because if you get below them, you can be eye to eye when you're 20 yards up at the, you know, 20 feet yeah. up the tree. And you start getting so high, you could, get, you could end up getting yourself hurt, you know. Um, so I'd rather be above them, but I, I tend to want to be in a tree. Yeah. Um, Goomer, who is a regular listen, says only 104 likes right now. Shake my head. So everybody, give give Goomer some love and hit, hit the like button on here. He's very frustrated, everybody. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the donation, Elizabeth. You don't have to do hey, that Elizabeth. again. <laughs> I don't know. The, she said the join link isn't opening, isn't working. Um, the join button is right by the subscribe button on the, the, the channel mm -hmm. here. So I'm uh, not sure there, Elizabeth. We've had people join uh, this episode, so it was working at least. Um, mm -hmm. Patrick asks, I've been on Monster the last two years, but I've only gotten one daylight pick and the rest are at night do you think he's on me or just smart any tips on that scenario you took this question down too fast oh i'm Same. sorry i've been on a monster the last two years but i've only got I'm him too. <laughs> i've only gotten one daylight picture and the rest are at night do you think he's on me or just smart any tips on that scenario um i don't think it's either I think you're just not uh, finding his core spot where he's betting. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's moving a very short distance in daylight. That's the problem. So there might be one or two days out of the whole year that he moves a distance in daylight. 
most of the deer I'm killing that are mature, which if you're calling it a monster, I'm sure it's a mature deer. Most of the ones I'm killing, I'm killing within 100 or 200 yards from their bed, and I'm shooting them at closing time. Think about that. Yeah. So if you're any further than that, you're, you're getting night pitchers. So uh, what you have to do is think about where could he be hiding? Think about it like, uh, you know, you know, he's a criminal and you're, you're the cop and he's hiding in there someplace. Where would he hide where you wouldn't find him? Yeah. And, and hunt that area down one spot after another until you, until you get on. And if you start doing that with cameras, you'll just push them into other areas. You really kind of got to just hunt him down. The camera tells you he's in the area, then your skills have to get you to where he moves in daylight. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, just look at that study we were just talking about. Like if, if you got him in daylight, he's not, he's probably not very far most of the time. Like they don't, they don't go, especially if a monster, he's probably living there pretty close. Um, Tim asked if I'm hunting Illinois this year. I don't know, man, maybe late season, but probably not to be honest with you. Got a lot going on this deer season, uh, personal life and hunting wise, but we'll see, see how things turn out this year. You never know. Um, <laughs> Gary, he asked a question, not, uh, it's a little bit of a kind of the same question earlier, but he says, uh, what do you guys do if you consistently have big bucks on cam, but it's all night, uh, move the cams or try to go in the direction they come. Why don't you handle that one? I just answered that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just see, 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 uh, the prior, um, question, but I, I mean, I think, Hmm. If I'm getting, if it's during season, I'm getting all night pictures. I quit fooling with cameras when it comes into season. Like if I, I don't, I don't move them around or, or I don't, you know, I don't put new ones out or anything. I, um, if you're getting them though, I mean, you got a piece of a puzzle, like they got to become from, from somewhere. So if I was getting nighttime pictures constantly, I would probably move to where they're coming from and try to narrow that down from there. Um, I would not be screwing with cameras though, moving them around, trying to just to get in a daylight picture of a buck, you know? Right. I'd be um, looking at the time you're getting the picture. What time, yeah. what direction is he traveling? Where do you think he's coming from? Take some educated guesses. You know, what's going on around there? What the food sources are in? What is it rut? Is he looking for does? Start looking at the area around there. Where could he be hiding? Where has the terrain that he wants to be? And nobody's looking for him there. Mm -hmm. And and you got to shift around and hunt him down. I mean, people are getting too dependent on cameras. Cameras yeah. don't kill the deer. People kill the deer. Cameras tell you he's there. Yeah. The, the real function of a trail camera is to tell you a deer's in the area then your skills of scouting reading maps and looking at terrain kick in 100 mm -hmm. i mean i don't i don't even take them with me when i'm going out of state hunting typically any you know um so let's see here Earl ask what is the closest you've been to a buck when hunting on the ground I, uh, there's a hunt I have on the hunting beast where I, I shot at a buck and missed it, but I, I snuck up to him on the ground. I could hear him freaking breathing. I don't know. I was like 10 yards from him. Um, he was in his bed in a CRP field and, um, he's down in a little 
little lower in the CRP field, and I was able to sneak right up on him, and he was I could hear him in there sometimes, like, taking deep breaths. But that's the closest I've been to one on the on the ground while hunting. Yeah, I've had a lot of very very close encounters. I think the closest one would be when I was nine years old and one flipped me over the top of its head. Oh yeah, that was in a it was in the newspaper and everything, wasn't it? Yeah, I was stalking that thing with my little red bear bow. <laughs> I came through these bushes and also there's a deer standing there. And luckily he had both of his antlers broken off. He had like a jagged stump sticking out of his head. Yeah. Uh, I was standing face to face with him. I, you know, I, I just came through some bushes and I stood up and he's in this hole in the bushes and we're looking at each other from a few feet away. And uh, he put his head down and rammed me in the guts and threw me and uh, uh, went right over the top of me. And uh, I got up and, uh, you know, I was nine. I started crying. Walked, yeah. started walking home. And my parents came running out there and I, and I couldn't understand how they knew anything had happened. And here on the other side of the river from me, there was a house up there where a friend of the family lived. Yeah. And they saw the whole thing out the window. Holy so cow. My parents, yeah. That's the closest I've ever been to one on the ground. <laughs> Ernie says, uh, Josh missed the PA study. They say hunt in the middle of the core area for your best chance. I didn't miss that. I just didn't bring it up because I think they mentioned to like see a deer is your best, best uh, chance to hunt in the very middle of the core area. Okay. Um, yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Tyler asks, what's a good camera to to get? We've had like four people ask this now in the comments. I uh if you guys want to know specific, this little one is a it's called a ZV1. It's a Sony ZV1, and I would get one used if you want one. But it's nice because you can just, I mean, it's you know, I got you know, it's the size of your palm essentially. Uh, if you if you're if that's what your budget is, I would get I would probably get this over like a a little hand uh, camcorder or something, but Camcorders are good too. I'd go to Walmart and just see what they got. Um, you're just starting off, or use your phone, like like I said. Uh, but me and Dan both have pretty expensive cameras now. Um, I guess if you're a rich man and want to spend the money on it, go for it. But um, there's a lot of options if you got a lot of money. It's not a, you don't have to be rich. You just I, I would you know getting a camera for fifteen hundred bucks or something to get a really nice one. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal for most people. But you just got to make sure you that's what you want to do. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think getting the, the cheaper camera first is not a bad option because the film quality isn't all that much greater with a with a good mm. camera. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, starting out small and and then if you like it, like Josh said, then yeah, then you know you know change it up and get something yeah. better. You get with camera gear, you get less for your money the higher the uh amount the camera um goes up like you know from four hundred dollars to this thing to a twelve hundred dollar camera you get just this much more you know but from like you know your cell phone to this you get a lot better quality so it's like the more money you spend the less you get out of your I don't know, some pros are starting to film with their uh, iphones oh i know i know that's what i'm saying like just because you spend a bunch of money doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a better uh, quality oftentimes the the more expensive ones too are more complicated to use for you as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's more buttons, there's more features and it, it all has to be learnt. Whereas if your phone, everybody knows how to use that. Um, 
Darko ask about the beast camera arm if, if you're going to have one come out. Yeah, it's um, it's complete and ready for production now. Um, just waiting on manufacturing. So um, I'm hopeful it'll be out this this anytime now. So I I, yeah. I can't guarantee that. That's out of my hands at this point. But uh, I have completely produced what I want to produce and handed it off. So we're just waiting on them. Yeah. So I think it's going to be economical and work great. So it's working great for me. It's working great for Josh and all the guys in our crew. Um, I'm real impressed with it and happy with it. So hope everybody else will be too. Yep. Let's, let's, uh, oops, sorry. I hit the wrong one. Um, let's end on this one. Adam has said, it's not a question, but he said, he said, my father shot his first, uh, bow buck with a recurve hunting from a tree in the seventies. He said he threw his bow in another tree in excitement and jumped like 15 feet down. So he had to go up to uh, another tree and get his bow on. Huh? Yep. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Um, love it. Yep. 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 Brett, we'll, we'll answer your question real quick. How do you prefer to set up the GoPro when recording? I, I, uh, I just throw it on my bow. That way I have another angle. Um, they're small enough to get them in your teeth. You know? Yeah. You hold them in your mouth. GoPro has a GoPro is a really good camera too, just to have. Uh, I haven't you, got you, one yet, but I really liked it. When I hunted with the hunting public, they had all of theirs on a piece of that bendable tube. Yep. I got with that. The clamp on it. I kind of yeah. like that. You stick it on any limb or whatever and just aim it yeah, wherever you want it. That's what I have. Yep. I like those. You'd be shocked at how much of my footage I have is shot on a GoPro. Um, all right, everybody. Hit the like button. If you, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to the channel. We'll see you guys later. See you next time. Bye.